Um, and if you're like me, uh, you're probably feeling just a little bit disoriented because, let me get, grab my stuff here, uh, a little bit disoriented because, um, man, this was half over, right? Like, like they told us we had to stay inside until uh, April 10th and our kids could go back to school and we could go back um, to restaurants and businesses were going to be open and we could go shopping and do all those things. And, uh, and we were kind of at the halfway point. And it was getting hard. I don't know how it is at your house, but, but at my house, uh, people are starting to get on each other's nerves a little bit. Um, kids are getting kind of bored. You know it's bad when, when the kids are wishing that they could go back to school. Um, and and, and uh, they, they just, there's not a lot going on. And we were at the halfway point, so it was getting hard, but we were halfway there. And then all of a sudden, uh, we're told um, that, um, hey, guess what? This gets extended uh, four weeks, and, and so it's going to be until the end of April at the earliest that, that we're able uh, to get back to life as even a little bit of, of normal. And so it's hard. And on top of that, um, we're, we're being told that we should steal ourselves, that we should get ready because it's going to get worse. Um, we're, we're told that uh, um, we, we should expect in this country by the time this COVID-19 crisis pandemic is over, that we should expect upwards of, of 100,000 deaths or more. Uh, and so in times like this, um, things can start to bog us down. And so I want to I talk to you today, we, we've talked a couple of weeks about ways to view um, what's happening in our world in this pandemic, and uh, Pastor David did a great job last week reminding us that, that even in these times, we are blessed, and that God is using um, our circumstances to bless us. And I want to talk again today just about what happens when we're feeling anxious and alone and afraid. Um, but I promise you, we're not going to talk every um, single week between now and, and when this quarantine is over about coronavirus. Next week, we're going to celebrate Easter, um, and, and that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to look different, obviously. As we celebrate Easter, uh, we're so used to gathering together as the body, um, but we're going to do that differently next week. But I promise you this, Easter is still going to be awesome, and it's still going to be awesome because it is still all about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and it's, it's kind of a big deal. And then after Easter, we'll get on with, with a new sermon series that I think you'll find um, interesting and, and edifying and useful uh, for your life. But, but for today, I want to talk again about not being afraid and, and living with anxiety and, and, and being alone and being afraid. And, and here's the deal. Here's what I promise you. God has something to say about that, right? When, when you're anxious and afraid and alone, God, God has things to say to you, to your heart, to bring peace um, into your life. And so we're going we're gonna to dig into that today. And I just want to acknowledge that, that it continues to be hard, right? Like, like some of your kids, listen, you love your kids, I love my kids. I know you love your kids. And you were so excited. You're like, we're going to be home together, and I'm going to teach them, and it's going to be great, and it'll be just like the sound of music, and everything will be wonderful. And listen, now you are ready to see, like, is it safe to send them to grandma's during the quarantine? Because you're done, and I get it. Um, and, and some of you, your marriages are really um, facing a test that they haven't faced 
in a long time because um, it's just a lot of together, right? It's, it's a lot of together. And then some of us, it's worse, right? Some of us are sick. I mean, some of you are really sick, you know, and, uh, and, and some of you are, are so concerned and worried about loved ones um, that are at risk, but you can't visit them and you can't be with them uh, to give them comfort. And we've even got people in our own body here that, that are grieving the loss of a loved one, but, but that they can't gather together as a family to grieve well and to attend a funeral right now. And so they're kind of stuck in this, in this mode and it's hard. And some of you are working less than you'd like, and some people lost a job that you love, and there's pain and uncertainty, and Bill's Mountain, um, you just want to get out of the house. You just want somewhere to go, because it's starting to feel like you're, you're claustrophobic and stir-crazy, and we're anxious and alone and afraid. And I tell you what, if, you, um, if you're feeling that way, I want to I talk to you specifically this morning. Uh, and if I could, I'd just love to pray for you right now, if you'd pray with me. Father, we know that, that there are people um, in our midst and, and in our congregation that are consumed with, with fear and anxiety uh, and that are consumed with loneliness right now. God, I, I just want to pray uh, and thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for the truth of your word, and I just want to pray a blessing for those folks. God, I pray that, uh, that just through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bring them comfort and peace, uh, and that, God, you would just show them a little bit of who you are uh, so that we, could, um, that, that, that we could just navigate this well. God, you are so good, uh, even when things are hard, and we just thank you for that truth, and we just, we just ask these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so there's a big question we're going to tackle today, uh, and, and the question is simply this. How do you trust God? Uh, you know, when I was younger, um, when I was new in the faith, I had, I had become a Christian, but I wasn't good at it yet, right? Like I still was stumbling around kind of like an idiot in the dark, and I didn't quite know how to make sense of what was happening in the world. And there were times when, when bad things would happen. And, and I would ask people above me in the faith, people that I trusted, people that I loved, people that loved me, people that wanted me to grow in Christ, right? People that saw things in my future as a servant of God. These, were, these are, are men of faith that I would talk to, and I would ask them, hey, listen, what do you do when things aren't going the way that they're supposed to? Like, like what are you supposed to do with that when everything just seems upside down and nothing seems to make sense? And the answer that I would invariably get every time, all the time, was simply this. You just have to trust God. You just have to trust the Lord. And you know what? It's really good advice. And at the same time, it's really crappy advice, right? Because it's true that to get through these difficult times, we really do need to trust the Lord. But the reality is, how? I mean, you telling me that I'm supposed to trust God is great, but how exactly am I supposed to do that? What does it mean for me to trust God, right? Like, like, I don't know what your situation is, right? You're, you're a single parent, like you're home with your kids, they're driving you nuts, there's no money to pay bills, uh, somebody that you love is sick, um, like, like just all of the pressure is, is mounting in, you're, you're still out of toilet paper, you don't know what to do next, everything is crazy, and then I tell you, looking in the camera, I say, look, here's what you need to do, you just need to trust God. 
You know, and that's great advice, but you'd be right to say, okay, how? How do I do that? What does that look like? And here's what I can promise you. It is a whole lot easier for me to say it than it is for you to do it. It's a whole lot easier for me to say it than it is for me to do it. Uh, Craig Groeschel, I, I heard him, him, him kind of describe this difference as the difference between minor surgery and major surgery, right? Minor surgery is any surgery that somebody else is having. Major surgery is any surgery that I'm having, right? So, so when it's my crisis, right, I understand that it's really hard to trust God. When it's your crisis, I can just look at you and I can calmly say, well, you just need to have faith. You just need to trust. But you and I both know that that's, that's a really difficult thing. You're asking, um, you know, there's no paycheck. You're battling depression. You're sad. You're lonely. You're overwhelmed. Everything that you, you thought was stable is falling apart. How do you trust God? Your marriage is feeling really fragile. How do you trust? Your kids are rebelling. What does it mean to trust God then? Someone you love is vulnerable and sick. How? How do you trust? You spend your years saving for retirement, and then in a week, a third of it's gone. How how do you trust God in those moments? And here's the thing. This is hard, but Scripture provides us a way. And I want to break it down for you tonight. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open to Psalm 9, or you can see it on the screen in front of me um, if if it's big enough for you. Psalm 9, 9 and 10 says this, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You're feeling alone, hurting, oppressed. The Lord is a refuge, a stronghold in times of trouble. And then get this, this, I love this, in in verse 10. Those who know your name trust in you. For the Lord, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name trust in you. Let me ask you a question, just as, as, as honest as we can based on that scripture. Listen, do you know God's name? What do you call him? I mean, I think, I think, what we call people matters, right? I mean, I think about my own life, you know, what people call me makes a difference. It makes a difference in our relationship. How intimate are we? How close? How superficial? Are we friends, right? I know that if somebody calls and asks for Matt Hans, right, that they're either trying to sell me something or they want some information from me and they're reading my name off a piece of paper, Back when I was a school counselor and I, I worked in the schools, if I'd be out and about at a restaurant or grocery store or out in the community somewhere and somebody would say, hey, Mr. Hans, that would be my clue. I know them from school. So as soon as I go to have a conversation with them, I know I got to get in school mode. You know, here, here in Vinton, um, when I hear Pastor Matt, you know, then I know, I know that's somebody from, from this body, somebody from the congregation here at Blessed Hope Community Church, and, and that gives me an opportunity to know how I'm connected to them. We're more intimate because we're part of the same family of God. There's some people that call me Matt, right? We've been friends for a long time. They just, they just call me by my name, and, you know, there's a couple of people that get to call me dad, uh, and, and my wife calls me, well, she doesn't call me this often, but she could. I'm her husband, right? It's more intimate, right? 
what you call me reveals how we know each other, how connected we are, how, how intimate we are. And so, so what do you call God? You know, what you call God reveals the intimacy of your relationship with him. You want to trust God? Here's what David says in the Psalms. Those who know your name trust in you because you've never forsaken those who seek you. You want to trust God? You need to know his name. What do you call him? Big guy in the sky? Um, your heavenly grandpa? Like, how do you think of God? You know, those are, those are kind of cute things that you might say, but um, they don't reflect a deep relationship with your father in heaven. You know, Jesus called him Abba. It's Aramaic. It means daddy, papa, father, right? That, that reflected the intimacy of their relationship. What you call God reflects the intimacy of, of your relationship with him. And David says, those that know his name, and they, they trust him. How do you grow to trust God? You get to know his name and his character. So we're going to look at some Psalms, and, and, and we're going to see, I think there, there's five things that we're going to see we can call God um, in the Psalms that, that really put this out there for us. And, and I'd like to encourage you to, to think about, um, as we do this, whether or not these things will help you better get to know God, his character, and, and to start to trust his heart. The first is this. Um, God is our strength. Here's what it says in Psalm 22, 19. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Right? Paul says in the New Testament uh, that, that whenever we're weak, right, that, that that is when God is strong, right? When you don't have enough strength of your own, when you're feeling vulnerable and you're weak, when, when you're hurting, when you don't have enough, Paul says that whenever we're there, God's power and strength is made perfect in us. You know, in, in other words, when you can't do it on your own, when you're exhausted, when you can't face another day, when you're not sure that you can get up and do the same thing over again, when you have no idea how you're going to navigate this situation day after day, week after week, when you just don't know, when you've got nothing left in your tank, when you are weak, God's strength is made perfect in you, right? That may be where you are. You might be at the end of your rope. But how do you trust the Lord? Well, you know that when you are out of all of your reserves, when you are depleted, when you have got nothing left, when you have maxed out, when you are out of energy, that God is your strength, and his strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you're vulnerable and broken, he is your strength. Listen, you can trust God because when you don't have enough, he is strong enough for you. And in fact, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Here's the other thing we can call God. We can call God always faithful. Psalm 31.5 says this, I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. David says that God is a faithful God. He's always faithful. And because he's always faithful, David says, I trust you to rescue me when I need it. God is always faithful. That means that right now in your life, when it feels like 
nobody is at the wheel. And I get why it feels like nobody's at the wheel, because this just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I've heard from so many people that want to tell me that if God were real, this would not be happening. But here's what I want you to know. Even when it feels like things are out of control, God is always faithful. And because of that, David, who had some crazy circumstances, David says, Lord, I trust you to rescue me because I know that you're faithful. And the problem is, in this life that we live, there's not a lot that's faithful. There's not a lot that we can count on. Listen, people will let you down. Circumstances will let you down. The economy, it's up and then it's down. It, it will continually let you down. There are even times when, when you probably let yourself down. Listen, if I'm being honest, I think I've let myself down more than anybody else has let me down in my life. There are so many times when because of my brokenness and my messiness and the sin in my life that I just am not who I want to be, that I'm pushing God away and I'm not being faithful I'm not being the man that he's called me to be, not the husband that he wants me to be, not the father he wants me to be, where, where I just, I, I continually let myself down. But here's the deal. Even when that happens, Paul tells us that even when we are faithless, that God is always faithful because he is always going to be true to his character. You want to know God's name, we know Listen, we know that he's our strength. We also know that God is faithful. And when we know he's faithful, right, that helps us to know his heart and it helps us to trust in him a little bit more. There's more. Psalm 65, 5 says that God, you are my hope. It says you faithfully answer our prayers, David says. You answer our prayers with awesome Deeds, O oh God, our Savior, you are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. David says, you answer our prayers with awesome deeds. And because you answer our prayers with awesome deeds, guess what? You are the hope, not just of me, but of every person on earth. Listen, I don't know what you're hoping in, but the Bible is pretty clear here that here's what your hope ought to be in. The God of the universe. You are the hope of everyone on earth. That means that our hope isn't in a person. It's not in a leader. It's not in our government. It's not in a system. Look, it's not even right now, it's not even in medicine. Like those things are good, right? Systems and leaders and, and, and the government and, and medicines and vaccines, those things are good, but they're not our hope. God faithfully answers our prayers with awesome deeds. And he is the hope of everyone on earth. Isaiah in the Old Testament, he says it this way. He says, those who hope in the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. God is our hope. You want to know who God is? You want to know what to call him? Scripture says he's our strength and that he's faithful and that it's in him that, that we have hope. And we keep going. And, and, and the next thing we see is that God is near. Psalm 75.1 tells us, 
We thank you, O God. We give thanks because you're near. People everywhere tell of your wonderful deeds. Look, I'll tell you what. I am so thankful that we serve a God that is always near. He's not distant. He's not uncaring. He's not far away. He is a God that is always near. James says in the New Testament that whenever you draw near to God, every single time, when you draw near to him, that he is faithful and he will draw near to you. Anytime you're hurting, anytime you're afraid, anytime you're unsettled, unsure, or overwhelmed, anytime, every time you draw near to God, he draws near to you. That's the God we serve. I hope you get that, right? He's not far off and distant and uninvolved, but he's loving and caring and compassionate, and he is always near. And knowing that God is loving and compassionate and that he's always near, when I know that, he's my strength and and, and he's faithful and he's my hope and that he's always near, that helps me to trust him. So when people say, you just just gotta trust God, it's easier to do because I know that he's right here with us. And the last one is this. God is forgiving and good and loving. Psalm 86, five says, oh Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Can you think about that just for a second, wherever you are? Just, just stop and think about this. God is so good. He is so good. He's not just good. He is so good. He is so ready to forgive. He is so full of unfailing love. Are, are you kidding? Like, like you just, I want you to understand what that is. This is, this is a God who is so good. And remember I said, like right now, I'm getting people all the time, and I'm sure you're hearing it too. You see it on Facebook, on Instagram, you're seeing YouTube, you're, you're seeing all of the people. Maybe you're thinking it yourself, or you've had people you love say it to you. If God's really good, then why? Why are we stuck in this? Why are people suffering? Why are things hard? If God really was good, then none of this would be happening. And listen, I I get the concern. I get the angst. I get the anxiety. And I just want to tell you, like, look, I, I understand. And it's not just this virus, but people die of cancer that we love People drop dead from strokes or or heart attacks. People die in accidents. People are are hurt. People are taken advantage of. All of this happens in this world. And so we look at all of the bad things that happen in the world and we say, if God is really so good, then why in the world is all of this happening? And listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a great answer for that. Except to say, but here's what I know. I know that God is not the author of evil, and God doesn't bring wrong, but I know that God won't waste it. I know that he'll use it. I think about some of the hardest times in my ministry, some of the hardest times that I've had as a pastor, Uh, and what comes to mind are funerals. And over my my six years uh, being the senior pastor here at at Blessed Hope Community Church, I've, I've had to do a lot of funerals. But there's a couple that stand out. Um, a funeral for, for a 30-year-old 
husband and father, or I'm sorry, a man in his 30s, husband and father of young kids um, who, who died in a, in a tragic accident. You know, and, and there were people that thought in that moment, like, how is God good when these things happen? I think about uh, uh, somebody in his, his early 40s, uh, another husband and, and father of young kids who, who died of cancer that they just couldn't do anything with. You know, there's people that would say, why? Why is that happening? How can God be good in the midst of that? Think about a young man, a, a fifth grader, uh, who died suddenly. Um, and, and we answered the question a lot then is, why can that happen? And, and how can a good God let that happen? And, you know, most recently, I, I think of a, a young uh, man who, who lost his battle with depression and people wanting to know and asking the question, how can God be good in the midst of all of that? And listen, can I tell you the truth? Those times suck. They're terrible. They're awful. But here's the reality. Even in the middle of those times, God is still good. In fact, God just isn't good. God is so good. God is so good all of the time. Listen, God is good in a room full of happy, joy-filled folks, and he is good in times of grief and sorrow and uncertainty. He's good when the economy is strong, and he is still good when it tanks and is broken, and God is good when you have a job, and he's good when you don't, and he's good when you're healthy, and he's good when you're not, and, and listen, he's faithful and he's good. And not just that, but he's ready to forgive, right? You know what that's like, right? We, we all can try to get past things, right? But when I try to forgive somebody, here's what happens. I have to tell myself every day that I need to forgive them. I remind myself every day, oh yeah, yeah, remember you decided to forgive them. Sometimes I've had other people in my life have to tell me, hey, Matt, you need to forgive this person. You need to be able to do that for your own health and, and for the benefit of the relationship, you have to forgive. And so sometimes I, I'm so begrudging when it comes to it or it takes me a long time to get to it or, or I have to remind myself that I've done it. But God is so ready to forgive. If we confess our sins, this is the gospel, right? If we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive every mistake that we've made and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's not just a forgiving God. He is so ready to forgive. And, and listen, he isn't just loving. He is so full of unfailing love for anyone that asks for help. Love just isn't something he does. Love is who he is. It's in his nature. And because it's in his nature, there's something I want you to understand, this, this truth here. Listen, there is nothing you can do to get God to love you more than he already does. God loves you with such a passionate love. There is not a thing that you can do to make him love you more than he already does. And, and then get this, there is not a thing you can do to make him love you less. God loves you like crazy. He loves you because that's who he is. He is so ready to love. He is so full of unfailing love. And so God is our strength. He's always faithful. He's, he's full of hope. He's always near. He's good. He's ready to forgive. 
and he's so loving. And so I want to ask you this, this last question. Let's look at this last psalm together. 118, verses 28 and 29. It says, you are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever, his faithful love. Let me ask you this question. Can you say that about God? Wherever you're at, sitting sitting on your couch, um, reclined in your chair, sitting on the floor in your living room, looking at your TV, on your computer phone, whatever it is, can you say this morning, listen, the God that we're talking about, that's my God. Can you say with certainty that that's my God? Can you say to him, you are my God? Listen, I'm going to tell you this. Um, That wasn't always the case for me. There was a time in my life where I knew a lot about God. I knew things about God. I had a knowledge of God. But I couldn't say with certainty, you are my God. There was a time in my life when I thought it was enough just to know that God was real and to try to be a good person. I figured if God was real and I tried to be a good person, then he would be happy with me and I would go to heaven and everything would be great. But it wasn't until later when I finally understood that, you know what? For him to be my God, I had to give my life to him. It wasn't enough to know about him. I had to give myself over to him. I'm going to tell you, if you... If you're here this morning and you don't know him, right, there's no time like the present. Like, see, some of you, some of you are in a relationship with God and you're still feeling anxious and nervous. And, and, and this is what I'm trying to encourage you in is that, look, the more you know God, the more you can trust him. So remember that he's your strength and he's faithful and he's your hope and he's near and he is so loving and so forgiving and, and, and so good. Remember that and dig in right? And we as staff will pray for you. I tell you what, if you are somebody who knows and loves God, but, but you're having a hard time trusting him right now, uh, I'd ask you to be bold and maybe even drop a comment in, in the video so that we as staff can, can know that and we can be praying for you and, and maybe even be reaching out to you over these next weeks just with encouragement and prayer. But for some of you, none of this is normal. You don't normally go to church you don't normally think about these things, but there's something in you that knows that this abnormal time is stirring something. And this God that we're talking about, that's near and our hope and, our, and is faithful and he's our strength and he's so good and so loving, there's something about that God that's intriguing to you. And I would just say this to you. Perhaps what you need, what you're longing for, isn't security that the world provides. But, but maybe the reason that you've been drawn to this thing that's different for you is because what you desperately need is the security that the God of the universe provides. And so in a minute, we're going to have communion together. And, and communion is the opportunity for us to just remember and revel and reflect on what God has done to save us. And if you are on the outside looking in, you're saying, that's not my God, but I want him to be then there's no time like the present, right? There's no magic formula. There's no special words. It's simply a matter of you choosing to turn away from your sin, the wrong things in your life, and saying, 
Jesus, I trust you. I know that you're God's son. I know that you died to take my punishment, and I want to give you my life. You can do that in the quietness of your own heart, wherever you are. Tell you what, if that's a decision you want to make today, I'd ask you the same thing. Be bold. Drop a comment in there so we can get in touch with you and we can have some connection and we can pray with you and we can talk to you about next steps, right? But what your heart's longing for is for the God who's near and who loves and is good and he's your strength and he's your hope and he's faithful. And when you know those things about God, then you can trust him. We're going to go ahead and and, and practice communion together. And I want to remind you that... uh, uh, or tell you for the first time, if you're just now joining us, that, that at Blessed Hope, we practice open communion. So that means you do not need to be a member of this church to celebrate communion with us. We just ask that you be a member of the, the body of Christ, that you be a follower of Jesus. And um, maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for years and years and years. Maybe you just made that decision a few minutes ago. But, but ultimately, if you are a follower of Jesus, we'd invite you to, to follow along. And I've got some juice and a cracker here that I'm going to use. Um, so this would be a good time to grab whatever you have, uh, whatever kind of juice, whatever drink, if you've got cracker or bread, doesn't matter. Um, what I would encourage you in is if you don't have anything, you can still participate. Um, you, can, you can participate spiritually with us as we do this. Uh, communion is a very spiritual endeavor, but it's actually very simple. It's just simply a, a matter of us remembering what Jesus has done and then reveling in this new relationship that we have with him. And so we practice communion uh, simply, the way they did in the early church. Uh, Paul tells us in Corinthians, um, gives us the instructions that were passed on to him, that Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, passed it to his disciples, and he said, eat this. This is my body. Eat it and remember. And so we do that together. And then in the same way, he took the cup and he poured it and he said, drink this. This cup represents, this is the blood, right, that represents the new covenant that we're ushered into. And so as we eat the bread, we're remembering Jesus' body that was broken on the cross to pay for our sins. And as we drink the cup, we're remembering the blood that was shed that ushers us into this new covenant so that when we ask for forgiveness, that God is faithful to forgive and he makes us new. And so we drink to remember. Would you pray with me? God, you are so good. You are so forgiving. And you are so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Father, we we ask for your help. And we trust you. In the midst of this, when when we feel anxious and afraid and alone, we trust you. We know that you are with us. We know that you care for us. We know that you are our strength and that you are faithful. God, we know that you are our hope and that you are near and that you love and forgive because you are so good. And Father, as we know those things, it helps us to be more intimate with you, to know your name, to know who you are, and that helps us to trust you. God, I just pray that you will speak truth to the hearts of those that are listening, that you will remind them how you feel about them, that you will affirm in their hearts that you are with them. God, and I just, I just pray a blessing on each and every person. 
We love you and we praise you. Amen. Hey, listen, church. Um, I love you and I'm praying for you and I want to encourage you. If there's anything you need in this time, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, but just know that you continue to be in our prayers. Uh, thank you and I can't wait to see you next week for Easter.